Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Uh, Wow, a lot has changed since the last time we were in the same room together. And I don't know if you're anything like Jennifer and I, but man, our lives are like a tornado of information that we're constantly having to adapt to. This COVID-19 virus has turned our worlds upside down and our families inside out. You know, we've all been scrambling to figure out how to respond. I know I have. I've been trying to navigate through massive amounts of information that seems to constantly be changing, trying to figure out how to navigate through our work life, through our family life. In a matter of weeks, everything about our lives has just completely changed. And some of you guys have have made some big changes. You started working from home, which is not an easy thing to do because everything in business has just kind of stood on its head. Everything is so different right now. It's difficult to know how to proceed. Some of you guys became teachers overnight, and now you're adapting to figuring out how to control and lead and teach crazy kids with cabin fever who want to climb the walls and get outside and go see their friends. The worst part is, is you can't even go dump them at grandma's house, right? Like you, you can't even do that. You know, some of you guys are, maybe it's little things like you're bummed. You can't flip on March Madness, which will be going on about now or watch Atlanta United to distract you from all of this craziness. But, you know, it's honestly a disappointing time too. A lot of people are missing out on some pretty important things. Each of us are. To be honest, my inbox is full of cancellation emails from canceled uh, college graduations, canceled weddings, canceled family gatherings, canceled vacations, canceled parties. I mean, so many things that we were looking forward to are not there anymore. And to be honest, for me, it was kind of curious and maybe even exhilarating, a little amusing at first because it was so different. But the reality of the loss of these things has kind of begun to sink in for me. I don't know if that's true for you. Some of you guys are are trying to figure out much more serious things like where your income is going to come from and how long the food in the pantry is going to last or how many months you can pay rent or will my employer keep everything the same and keep paying me. Some of you guys, to be honest, are mainly concerned with actually getting the virus. Uh, And so you're taking precautions there. But for all of us, it's a lot to process. It's a lot to figure out. There certainly are reasons for us to be concerned. And there are reasons for us as Christians to be alert. We all are trying to make sense of this. We're trying to figure out what to make of what's happening around us. I don't know if you've been like me, but I've found myself looking for answers everywhere. Uh, I think most people I know are doing the same thing. They're scouring Facebook or looking on CDC websites and government websites, places we never went before. Our social, our, our internet histories were full of like goofy, funny cat videos. And now it's like CDC, COVID-19. It just, it's so very different. Honestly, Jennifer and I agreed on a few different occasions just to shut it down and stop because it honestly can be a little bit overwhelming. But in times like this, it's good to be reminded that God has provided his word to guide us through difficult times. 
we've got to answer this question. How are we supposed to handle this? How are we as Christians supposed to live in a viral pandemic in the year 2020? But we know his word is going to guide us through difficult times. God's word has guided believers through persecution, through countless wars, through famine and pestilence and disease. It's led his church through many outbreaks and plagues in the past. And we trust that it will again. And so we're asking God to speak to us from his word to figure out how we're supposed to to navigate through a pandemic right now. And so it's good for us to remember that God is not surprised by all of this. And so we trust his sovereign hand to guide us and lead us and to advance his kingdom, even through something like this. Maybe the enemy meant this for evil, but God will use it for his good uh, and for his glory. And so what does God's word say to us at a time like this? And so I want to take us to the book of 1 Peter. And so begin turning there with me. We'll also be looking in chapter 3 for a second in Isaiah chapter 8. And so as you're turning there, I think it's good for us to just sort of think of, you know, what, what God's word says to us. So I want to share with you four things that Peter commands Christians to do in times of uncertainty, in times of pain, and, and even in suffering. And I believe that doing these four things through this pandemic will lead us to be the church, even when we can't go to church. Doing these four things, I think, will glorify God. It's going to reveal God's heart to those who need Jesus around us. Now, I think more than ever, the world is looking for answers, and we have them. We have them in Christ. So let's not miss this opportunity to live well during this pivotal moment in world history. So my prayer is that this moment in history will be our finest moment to date, that, that the church will rise up and reveal the gospel to a world that is realizing its need for a Savior. So now more than ever, I think it's important for us as believers to both possess and demonstrate what I'm calling an unstoppable hope for uncertain hearts. We need an unstoppable hope in us that comes from knowing what is true. And in these uncertain times, when our hearts are facing uncertainty, maybe like never before, we need to know the source of that unstoppable hope. And so we're going to look at four simple things that we can find in 1 Peter that I believe will help us in our suffering, just like it did in the people that Peter was writing to. So let's look in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 13. It says, the end of all things is at hand. He's writing to these people and he's realizing that, hey, you know what? It's not always going to be a business as usual. And this is a difficult thing for us to consider, but this world will actually come to an end one day. And God has a, a plan for it. Peter is sort of recognizing that at this point, this process that the world is, is going to one day change how things are operating, that, that God is working. And so here we get in verse 7, he says, the end of all things is at, hand, is at hand. That's a little ominous, but let's look a little further. He says, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. In these challenging times, when it appears that things are coming to an end almost, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded in these difficult times for the sake of your prayers. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And whoever speaks 
as one who speaks oracles of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So these four things we're going to look at. The first one, the first observation that I made that I think when we act these things out and operate this way that we discover an unstoppable hope even when our hearts are uncertain. The first one is simply this, and it's as obvious as anything we've ever talked about before. It's simple. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Peter encourages people in uncertain times to be self-controlled and sober-minded. Keep your wits. You know, strong faith is easy when things are going the way that we want them to. But faith requires us to trust God's character, to trust his heart. Hebrews 11 gives this clear definition of faith. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And faith comes through hearing, and hearing comes from the word of God. Faith, simply put, is believing that God will do what he said he will do. Now, this is important for us to realize that God has not promised that Christians will never suffer or, or never get sick. He's not promised to keep us from trials and suffering. Rather, he promises to uphold us through our trials and through our sufferings. In 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13, this is where he said that he said, beloved, and I love that word. He's saying, you who are loved, you are loved by God. And I believe Peter loved them too. He said, hey, don't be surprised when you face trials and tests. And I think for us as the church, it's important for us to remember that, hey, we're going to face challenges. So God's not abandoned us. God's not stepping away. God's not falling asleep. We know that God's about things that we can't always understand. And so we can trust that he's still God, that he's still good. And just because there's trouble doesn't mean that God has somehow distanced himself from us. You know, I believe that right now this is a call for the church to be awake. It's a call for the church to be alert, sober-minded. You know, it's not a time for us to stick our heads in the sand. It's not a time for us to drown our sorrows in anxiety or, or our anxiety with entertainment and with drunkenness even. You know, honestly, instead, this scripture tells us to rejoice because we have faith that his glory will eventually be revealed. I love that, that God's glory is going to be revealed. And so we have this trust, this faith that the end of all things is good. Now, Jesus has brought us uh, to, he's bought us, honestly, a hope that extends beyond our very short human lives. You know, if we're saved by his grace, we can look to the future with joy and we can have peace regardless of our present circumstances. And that's important to us because we've got to remember that our hope goes beyond just 
this life. Our hope is not just that we won't get sick. It's not just that no harm will come to us. I mean, we certainly do find comfort in the fact that God is our healer, and we know that he is for us and not against us, and our protector, that we don't cling to this life like those without Christ do. We know our eternal destiny, and that gives us a whole different perspective. You know, this isn't our home anyway. We don't belong here. This world is broken, and we'll all eventually face death. But our hope is that when we do face death, we'll be reunited with our Savior, who told us to fear not that he'd overcome the world. And our Savior who conquered death and removed its sting has told us to not be afraid, to trust him. Our faith is in God and his sovereign plan for our lives. So the first thing we've got to remember is to have faith in God. The second is simple as well. It's simply this. We need to be demonstrating the love of God. We're called to demonstrate the love of God in these these difficult times. So how are we supposed to do that? Well, this scripture speaks to how we are to demonstrate the love of God even during uncertain times. That's what Peter was encouraging that group of believers to do. And so let's look at how we can do that. This passage says to show hospitality without grumbling about what it costs you. I mean, we've got to show hospitality right now. We're facing a a situation where people are going to need help. Now, I'm not telling you to invite a bunch of people into your home. We are going to obey what we've been told to do. But hospitality is an attitude. Hospitality is a way of, of serving others and showing love to others. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean you invite them to your dinner table. Sometimes it may, be, may mean that you take dinner to them, that you deliver food. There may be ways that we're able to serve here in the future. So when we do get to serve and when we do get to demonstrate hospitality, we don't grumble about how much it's costing us, how much it's depleted our reserves. No, we give cheerfully and we're able to serve. And so in this situation, in our culture, when they need us, our focus is going to be on serving and showing love and being hospitable the way God has called us to do without constantly keeping one eye on what it's costing us. We also understand this, that each one of us has a gift. God has given us a gift through the Holy Spirit and he's asked us to use it to serve one another. And when we do serve, we serve in the strength that God supplies. And so we, in doing that, we prayerfully participate in what God leads us to do. We get on board with what God is trying to do in our lives and in people's lives around us. And so when we are showing hospitality and we are using our gifts and we're serving in the strength of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we serve for God's glory uh, in order that God may be glorified through Jesus. We let our light so shine before men so that they see our good deeds and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And so we've seen the church rise up and serve in the past. And that's where I I think that this needs to be a moment like that. This could be our finest moment to demonstrate the love of God in a way that maybe we never have before. And so I'm praying that God will give me wisdom, that he'll give you and your family wisdom on how we can demonstrate the love of God. You see, love absolutely puts us in motion. Love doesn't sit still. Love, it puts us in motion and calls us to service, not just sentiment. I mean, for us to have good feelings of love towards people are great, but scripture calls us to put that into motion. James writes in chapter two, verse 15 and 16, he says, 
Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? Love must be demonstrated. Faith without works is dead. So instead, the work of faith is love. That's, it's, it's love in motion. Love puts us in motion. It calls us to service, not just sentiment. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. God loves the people around us, and that love compels us to demonstrate that love to people around us. You see, Jesus lives in you. And Jesus intends to love others through you. And so that's going to require action. So let's not just post on social media about it. Let's find ways to do it. Let's live out our faith. Let's get in motion. Let's be smart, but let's also be honest. Demonstrating God's love isn't always going to be completely safe. And this is, this is difficult here, but it's not going to be safe emotionally. And right now it's, it's not that safe physically. But we do have people that are, are working and serving. Now, I'm encouraging you to stay home, follow the directives that we've been given, but understand that some may be called even now to, to demonstrate the love by serving in other ways. We have people serving in healthcare. We need to be praying for those people. We got people at Ingalls that are working so, so hard and Food Line and all these places where they're trying to provide for the needs that we have. Man, when we are put as the church in those kind of situations, we need to be able to do that in a way that points to God being good. So we understand that some will be called. But listen, when the time comes for the church to demonstrate love, let us pray that we can respond as safely as humanly possible, but with wisdom and an abundance of love in the way that God calls us to. John 15, 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So I'm not suggesting you go out and do that intentionally. Hear me on that. But Jesus was communicating that real love often demands real sacrifice. So let's demonstrate God's love with the gifts we've been given to serve one another with the strength God supplies for the glory of God. And so that's the second thing that we need to do. We need to have faith in God. We need to demonstrate the love of God. And third, we've got to share your hope in God. Share your hope in God. God tells us that, that we're going to be able to, to be asked why we have such hope. Why we have that. First Peter 3, 14 uh, through 17 says, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So as we talk about how we share your hope in God, I think it's a fair question. Can you answer that? Where is your hope? You know, times like these tend to expose where our hope really is, not just where we say it is, but where it actually is. You know, I can tell you where our hope isn't, right? Our hope is not in the USA. It's not in world governments or even the CDC. Our hope is not in our finances or how much food is in our pantry. Our hope is not in our 401ks, certainly not anymore, right? It's, it's not in our careers. Our hope is in Jesus. And so let me ask you, 
Is your hope, and this is a tough question, is it in God or is it in God's blessings? Is your hope in God himself or in his blessings? Because this is important if our hope, if it was in our material security and strength, then right now we're experiencing a loss of hope because those things have been threatened. But if our hope is in God himself, we're able to sing with joy, whether that's from the basement of a prison like Peter experienced, the author of this book, or we can sing with joy from the balcony of a beautiful hotel in Florida somewhere. Listen, we understand that we're able to have hope in God himself, not just in our circumstances, and that changes everything. Paul reminds us in chapter four where our hope is. It's in verse 18, he says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, right? Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. I love that. You know, Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of hope, I love this, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is beautiful to me. That's that unstoppable hope that needs to come out of us. We serve a God who is the God of hope and he desires to fill us with both joy and peace even when we have uncertain hearts so that we would trust in him. And he brings us to this place where we begin to overflow with hope and power and through the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter 4, he says this, these words that are interesting. He said, speak like an oracle, like and that means speak like one who hears from God. Speak like one who knows the truth, like one who's heard it themselves. You know, the gospel gives us hope. It is our salvation. It is the, the bedrock of everything that we believe. And so when we speak, when we start speaking of hope, we are pointing back to the gospel. That's what we speak it's our salvation. The gospel gives us hope. The gospel gives us a message of hope to share. And so we see this in 1 Peter 13, 14 through 17. He says, But in your heart's honor, Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And when you do, do it with gentleness and respect. And so here's the deal. We ought to be overflowing with hope in such a way that people are beginning to ask us, what is the reason for our hope? I pray that somebody asks you that as you overflow with hope this week, that our hope is in God. We understand it through the gospel and by grace through faith, we receive it uh, from our Lord. And so I'm, I'm calling you to enter into a, an unstoppable hope that comes through the gospel in our lives, a hope that extends even beyond our lives. And when we have that kind of hope, uh, we're walking in faith in Jesus where we demonstrate the love of God. And when we share our hope, we're able to, in a very new way, walk in peace. You know, it's really good for us to know that, that God is still on his throne, that he is our sovereign king. None of this has caught him by surprise. And here's where I want to take us to Isaiah chapter 8. You know, this was a, a difficult situation. The prophet Isaiah is writing in the passage we're about to read, and Judah was facing a difficult time. Judah was uh, facing an invasion from the Assyrian army. 
and Isaiah recorded a word to them. Now, believe me, they were afraid. This wasn't a hoax. This wasn't a conspiracy. This is the real thing. This army was coming. And if you can imagine the fear of an invasion coming to where you live, that's what they were feeling. And Isaiah records these words in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11 through 14. He says, For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me, and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary. I love that. He's saying, don't think like the world thinks. Think with perspective that comes from knowing God. And so he challenges them and reminds them not to fall into two different ditches. He says, don't give in to denial and to say it's all a big conspiracy, but don't also fall into dread. Don't give in to fear so much where you are constantly in dread of what's going to happen. So we don't dismiss the real danger by calling it a conspiracy. It's not sin to acknowledge what's actually happening. Judah was being invaded. We are facing a pandemic. It's silly for us to pretend that it's not actually what's happening. Their challenges were real. And when they faced a real danger, man, Isaiah was saying, as, as though it's from the Lord, they're hearing, don't fall into denial. Don't give in to dread. We can deal with reality. We don't have to hide in the sand from this. So don't live uh, in, in that place of denial, but we also don't live in dread and despair. We don't give in to fear where we just constantly are pacing and in uh, panic mode. We don't have to do that because we walk in peace. We walk in peace. And so he challenges us to do this. He says, honor the Lord of hosts. Honor the Lord of hosts. And that word host is really pointing to this angel army that God is in charge of. The Lord of hosts means the Lord of angelic armies. And so it's almost like a, a term for his warrior, uh, warrior, the warrior part of him and certainly his army. And so we get this, that he is the general of the most powerful force in the universe. And the scary thing is, is that he created them all himself. He is the source of all that power and he doesn't even need them. He is unstoppable in every sense of the term. He really is. So if what Isaiah is saying here, he's saying, if we're going to fear something, let's make sure we're fearing him. Let's fear him enough to receive the gospel. Let's fear him enough to come to him in repentance with reverence and in awe. Let's let the lost be saved. Let them see God for who he is and come into relationship with him. Let the saved live lives of genuine worship as they look to him. The gospel says, and this is beautiful for us as Christians, the gospel says that if we are in Christ, that God is for us and not against us. And if God is for us, then who can stand against us? And so even if we fall, even if we suffer loss, there is hope. You know, Peter began the book of First Peter like this. And it's honestly my favorite passage in scripture. And it's spoken to me as it has many years. It's spoken to me once again. And I want to share this with you. It's First Peter chapter 1. It begins in verse 3. If you'll look at this with me. 
It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We are able to, as Isaiah said, find sanctuary in God himself. We're facing trouble and difficulty in many ways, but our inheritance is kept in heaven and it's not going to spoil or perish or fade. And it, though we do not see him now, and believe me, most of us would really like to in a time like this, but we're encouraged by Peter. He says, though you haven't seen him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy, knowing that the outcome of your faith is going to be the salvation of your souls. We find sanctuary in him. And so he says in verse 19, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I'm going to read that again. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Our creator is faithful. And even though we don't know what's going on, we're going to entrust our souls to him while we continue to do good. So in summary, here's the deal. To, to experience and, and demonstrate and pass on this unstoppable hope during uncertain times, we have faith in God. We share our hope with others. We demonstrate God's love with the gift that he's given us through God's strength for his glory. We walk in peace and whatever we do, we're gonna do it for the glory of God. You know, I pray that this will be our finest moment as a church. I hope that's true for the capital C church at large. I'm praying that, that we will yield to the Holy Spirit in us in a fresh way and he desires to strengthen us and empower us and give us faith so that we can demonstrate his love and share his message of hope to the community around us. And my prayer is that we really do experience this peace ourselves and that we can be those who supply it to those who come to Jesus for salvation. So here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, I beg you to repent and ask for forgiveness. Repent of your sin and believe on his name for salvation. Put your hope fully on the grace of God, his forgiveness of your sin, and be born again by grace through faith. 
in Jesus Christ. If you don't know how to do that, I encourage you to message us in a number of different ways on our website and whatever platform you're watching. Find a way to contact us. We would love to share with you how you can enter into a relationship with Jesus. It's as simple as this, to repent of your sin and come into faith in Jesus Christ. He's died for you, paid the penalty of your sin, but yet he rose from the grave and is now seated at the right hand of God. And he said that you can come into a relationship with him if you put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. But if you're a Christ follower, I'm praying that God will give you a greater faith, that you will have faith in our good, good God, and that you will demonstrate his love to the people around us, one another, starting with your family, you know, and that you will be able to experience and share hope that is unstoppable even during uncertain times. And may the peace of God go with you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this incredible truth that we have, that we're able to experience unstoppable hope because you are unstoppable, because you are the Lord of hosts, the God who is, is not limited by space or time, who has conquered the world and told us to fear not, who has defeated our enemy death already and taken away its sting, who's pointed us to a hope and an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us that can't spoil or fade. God, we look ahead to actually seeing you face to face. We don't see you now, but we know that we're receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls. So God, we pray that you would cause these things to rise up in us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that this might be our finest moment, that those around us would get to see and experience your love and your hope in a way that they come to faith in you and that this might spark a renewal in many, many lives as they are born again into faith in you. God, we're asking to you to do miraculous things in our church and we'll give you the glory when you do. Thank you for the time we've shared this morning. We pray that you continue to bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. If you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.